Signs of Southland, Monday, June 28th, 2021. Mr. Grant, where were you when Atlanta sports struck yet again? Um, I guess in my my new apartment. Um, we were watching on uh, on our nice little TV that we got. Um, it was very sad. I'm surprised my Twitter wasn't more angry about the whole uh, ref, ankle, Trey Young, you know, the, 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 uh, the happenings of last night. But, oh well. I think someone on Twitter put it best when people were like, Hawks fans are basically Michigan's men's basketball fans. And that the other sports that they root for have hurt them so terribly in the past that the Hawks being good is just icing on the cake. It's playing with house money that just makes them happy and nothing can really bring them down. Even if it's a potentially playoff ending injury for their star player. Yeah, that is, um, that's probably pretty accurate. I mean, you're, you're more of a native I'd say than, than me for sure. So, um, you, you probably know a little bit better, but I don't know. They've at least been fun to watch, and it's only 2-1. The series isn't over, so. Yeah, I mean, if if Young can't go tomorrow, because we're recording this today, the, on the rest day in between 3 and 4, if Young can't go tomorrow, that uh, whew, it's a tough sell. It's uh, what the kids call not great. Um, and the adults. Kevin Herter time says Kevin Herter. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's just tough. But like you said, you're playing with house money. The rest of, I guess, the Atlanta summer slate isn't uh, particularly, particularly good dominant. for my health. Yeah. I mean, the Braves have kind of settled into generally disappointing, if I'm reading the room right. And... I mean, we could probably have a whole separate podcast for you to talk about Atlanta United, but we don't have to unbox that one either because I, I, yeah. I know even less about that than some of the schematic stuff we talk here. So, Yeah, and then the Falcons managed to lose during the offseason, so there is that. We should probably bring up the vibe. Do we have anything actually like fun to talk about this week, or are we just killing yes. so we can start to we pre do. We do, and we're starting with women's tennis players and men's tennis players being named to all ACC academic teams. Tell me who they were, Mr. Grant. Uh, Ava Roster, Anders Martin, um, ACC all academic. I mean, we kind of pride ourselves on stuff like that. So always good to see them, uh, you know, taking advantage of the opportunity. Also, I'm very upset because they posted those awards the day or the the morning after we recorded and posted an episode last week, I am will never uh, forgive the ACC head office for doing that. It's the uh, the old Monday morning news drop, you know. Instead of the Friday mid or mid afternoon during another sporting event news drop, as everyone is uh, so uh, well known for. What's better, that or the 2 a.m. mods are asleep, let's kick NC State out of the College World Series? Ooh, that was a, that was a fun one. Uh, as uh, Mississippi State and Vanderbilt do be playing on my TV currently. So Yeah, I'm, uh, if we hadn't let in with the uh, Hawks thing, I think, I mean, 
There might be a 30 for 30 made about this NC State thing someday. There's probably going to be a 30 for 30 made on this entire 18-month period, if not 24-month period. So at that point, it'll be like 50 for 50, realistically. Well, they're, they're, what, 13 years into 30 for 30 or something like that? I feel like it's expensive to update that branding every year, you know, like – it it costs a lot to trademark uh, forty three for forty three. It also it doesn't also doesn't roll off the tongue. Well, it's just it's just not it's not as good for the brand, you know. I want you to take a guess. How many thirty for thirties have there been? Forty three. No. Okay, just just give me the number. I'm not gonna get it. One hundred and fifty seven. Well, I think we have to go 157 for 43 if we want to be accurate now. Yeah, see, that that doesn't roll off the tongue at all. I don't know. Just drop a couple vowels and, like, make it sound tech bro-y. Maybe add NFT to the end and it, it'll it'll play. Turn all the, uh, the consonant ERs to consonant R, like, uh, like Tinder, Fighter, other... Other trendy things. I'm surprised that you missed the most obvious one. Um, actually, I'm not ent- entirely surprised that you missed the obvious one. But we're gonna we're gonna sidestep. No, that's not the one I was going for. Uh, it'll it'll hit you eventually. Let's move on. Uh, men's basketball news starting today. Uh, a couple of news items came in. We had tech. Uh, announcing that they were hosting Wisconsin in this year's ACC Big Ten Challenge. That will be on December 1st, 2021, which is weirdly rapidly approaching, considering that Thursday is July 1st. And boy, is that weird to say. Uh, incoming transfer, Davon Smith, was a finalist at uh, with Team USA at its U19 team trials. Uh, in preparation for a FIBA World Cup. Uh, If I remember correctly, he did not make the final cut for the team, but it's good that he was in the mix until the very end. Uh, And then coming out of G League camp, there's some pretty good rave reviews about Jose Alvarado and his effort level and his toughness, uh, which is uh, pretty pretty fun to see. Any any thoughts here? I, uh... See... I want Jose Alvarado to get the bag. I want him to do so well. But, man, do I want to see another year of him at Tech. Um, but, no, I, I think this man works, efforts, whatever, harder than anyone else in the gym, uh, almost certainly, or, or on the floor. So, to, to hopefully him uh, – hopefully he gets a chance is all I'm trying to say. Like, if anyone has earned the – the right to prove themselves uh, at after hearing from so many people, you're too, you're too short. You're not going to make it. You're not an ACC player, et cetera, et cetera. Like risen to the challenge plus some, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Any, any thoughts on where you think he might land? I mean, I, I, I workshop this tweet with you yesterday and on Twitter, but um, yes, I'm teeing you up for this, and you're really botching the on here. Uh, was was commenting on another comment by somebody saying that the Brooklyn Nets need more Brooklyn if they're going to 
go anywhere, do anything, get to the next level, yada, yada, yada. They just don't have like the spirit. And if anybody embodies the, the grit, tenacious, grit, grit and tenacious, like New York basketball, it's Jose Alvarado. So uh, say that they are the Brooklyn is a grit and grind team. Yeah. uh, This is a deep cut. This this is a deep uh, cut quote. Whatever the area code of uh, Brooklyn is for the culture, you know. Indeed. But, uh, also, I was making a uh, Memphis Grizzlies reference, but I think you might be uh, too young for that. It absolutely went straight over my head. Um, but yeah, no, Nets, if you're here, we, this Jose guy is pretty good. You, you could use him. Um, but yeah, no, uh, I uh, I think his uh, good reviews should pay off. And even if he does decide to come back, like it's it's not like they're going to forget about him, especially if you leave a good impression. Mm-hmm. Speaking of other roster construction matters, uh, Eileen Morales' softball team on campus added a transfer from Michigan, Chandler Dennis, a pitcher with three years of eligibility left, having burned one year due to COVID and then one year this year. Uh, I think she put together five appearances. I don't have the sheet in front of me with all of her stats. Uh, but what, what are your thoughts? What are your early thoughts before camp starts? The, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is the the parallels are, are super strong here with, um, the, uh, volleyball transfer from Nebraska, um, earlier in the month in the specific case that it's really a commentary on, do you trust? And it seems like they do a known powers ability to attract and scout talent. And whether that is a, oh, hey, like we we thought this transfer was going to work out. Well, obviously it's way too early to judge that. Whether it turns out to be a, hey, like it didn't work out here either. Sure, that's one thing. But you could also have a, uh, like the current Kyle Schwarber situation where he was always a, a monster power hitter, but never really was all that consistent and the man gets a scenery change and now he has 15 home runs in 17 games. So you really roll the dice on any transfer, but you're, you're adding your own evaluation to the knowledge of Michigan, who uh, again has been kind of the creme de la creme out of the big 10 in, in the last decade or so. So um, hopefully that pays off. Yeah, I think we've talked uh, at length about how the mound is a point of weakness for this team. The performance is on the mound. Um, And obviously, they have had a lot of turnover at that position even this year. I think they lost three or four pitchers to graduation. So even with the the extra year given. So it's going to be an interesting – position i think that goes for both bat and ball sports right how does the how does pitching evolve in this next year given a full season given given a full off season not just a full season of play here an entirely full off season uh that's not interrupted by testing that's not interrupted by um the various protocols. I mean, I mean, I, I assume it's not going to be interrupted by various protocols, right? I think everyone on campus is doing pretty well with, um, with how things have gone and the, how the situation has evolved. But it, it, some of these things 
especially when it comes to the talent that tech is bringing in. It makes you think, how is the development pathway going to change, going to evolve, going to improve these pitchers as they come on campus? Yeah. Um, and, and again, I think some of that's going to improve with, well, I, I guess Blake Nelliman counted as a freshman again last year, um, who's obviously the centerpiece of that staff. But again, and, and it's softball, you can get by on having, you know, you don't need a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, midweek guy like you do in, or gal like you do in baseball, but you still need options other than your A1A starter, you know? Um, so uh, again, time, time, I believe will help that, but also there has to be like, just, you know, whether it's transfers like this or, or recruiting and, and to be fair, transfers in particular, that being, um, Trisha Awald have, have definitely been able to make impacts on, uh, on Georgia Tech softball already in the Morales regime. So hopefully we see something like that, I would say. Yeah, good point. I actually also forgot, we forgot to mention a couple of weeks ago that uh, Brianna Roper has also actually transferred out of the Georgia Tech program and over to Ole Miss. So that happened, what, two, three weeks ago? And we just completely blanked on mentioning it. Yeah, I think it happened like midweek, and, and so it slipped kind of between the cracks in the, you know, the, the podcasting churn. But um, I don't know, we'll... we'll We'll be sorry to see her go for sure. I believe she um, wore it out of the gates enough as a freshman to be like the team like schedule poster uh, as a sophomore. So you know, it, it, if you're if you're basing your branding around certain players, it's going to be tough to see them go uh, before the time is due. But you know, especially now that it's a done deal, there's not a lot you can undo about that. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you about basing your branding off of people you think are going to be star players and the, what is it, the 2016 Braves opening day roster where they traded like three star players right before opening day that they had had plastered across all of their branding. Was that the uh, Andrelton Simmons offseason or was that the Jason Hayward offseason? I think it was like multiple of them. It was like Hayward... Simmons and Kimbrell were in the span of two consecutive off seasons or just the same off season. Let's see. When did Simmons, Simmons got traded? Yeah. Between 2015, 16. Um, I think, think Kimbrell was the day before the 16 was the day before 16 opening day. Yeah, that's uh, no, I, th- I think Kimbrell was right before. Cause I think, I think Simmons was end of 2015, but don't quote me on that. You've been around the team longer than I have. So. Oh, well, around the team is a uh, a certain way of saying had many traumatic experiences watching the uh, Cobb County baseball franchise. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll go with that. You said it, not me. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. We're, we're, we're fine. We're, we're all OK. But there's, uh, how I was about to say, I'm going to steal your transition here, but there's definitely some surefire people you can build around, whether that's basketball, knowing certain players coming back as basically sure things, you know, like Jordan Usher is going to be Jordan Usher, you know, but we also can do that with, you know, football and, and Parada and baseball and, and, and whatnot. So. Okay. You really, you, this is why you let me host and you're, you're the, you're the uh, omnipresent guest because you had it, you had me going with the transition 
and then you dropped it by mentioning baseball first and not finishing on on football and really really crescendoing there ah you know i feel like that's cliche are we a cliche podcast yes have you met us <laughs> yeah i i do wear uh, a bit too much of the classic uh tech white guy me vibes so per oh yeah uh and and i am looking at the pocket tees i currently am wearing right now so maybe you're right yeah. on that all right let's let's do with the uh the awkward transitions and continue on to talking about football as previously stated seven players were named to phil Steele's all conference preseason list on the first team all ACC, there was running back Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs appeared as a kick returner on the third team, along with linebacker Quez Jackson, offensive lineman Ryan Johnson, long snapper Cade Long, uh, defensive back Wanya Thomas. Uh, and then the fourth team had uh, defensive lineman Jordan Dominic and linebacker Ace Ely. My first take on this. Uh, in my usual Stephen A. Smith way, uh, because I do that, of course. I think Dominic is a little undervalued on yep. this list. And I I don't think he would be on the first team, per se, but at least the second. Like, I, I think he would make it on a second team. He played very well last season. Yeah, I thought he was our uh, our best defensive player last year, just from my... Oh, absolutely. Uh, I guess more. I mean, I think whole gut check right here, but also, also, all ACC teams, I guess, are not made in the vacuum of tech, right? So, I, I, perhaps there's. I, I know that we watch a lot of ACC football, but I do not know to enough about other teams to be like, yes, there are definitely X amount more than him, and he's in the right spot. But it's a little bit weird to see some names that I'd be like, oh yeah, they're second or third. Um, above him on the list. Look, we all know that all ACC teams are contractually obligated to feature at least five Clemson players, three Miami players, and a couple of the UNC players. This, You know, it's all written in the language. You got the memo, so did I. It's just that the way that these things happen. But, you know, I would have liked to have seen Phil Steele just bend the rules a little bit. You know, just, just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, not that uh, the media exists to hype everyone up, because obviously uh, there are certain teams that don't get nearly their fair share uh, or their fair shake in, you know, the, the, the public eye. But don't let those boys at Coast or at uh, Central Florida hear you saying that. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll have a lot of uh, people with only cars as profile pictures in our mentions. Um, but, Only cars um, and uh, the athletic, like baseball player, sunglasses. Yes, you know, the exact so, ones that I'm talking about. Yeah, I, I'm picturing it in my mind's eye, and I'm remembering the Oakley that. fishing glasses or whatever. Yes, um, I mean, if we want to keep rocking the boat, we can. We're throw now. It. We're moving. Uh, we're moving. Continue now, your thought. Um, what was I going to say? Like, I, I just feel like every time these lists come out, they're not all that interesting exciting intriguing i don't see like that many surprising names i, I don't know like obviously you get down a fourth team and you're like oh that's a guy i never heard of from some other team you know but 
I, I don't know. It, it, obviously, there's not a lot to talk about in the doldrums of the offseason right now uh, when it comes to what the like the on-field product's actually going to look like next year, but uh, I, I don't know. Like, I feel like we're just a little bit underrepresented, and I feel like that's not all that unexpected. So it's kind of like, okay, Phil, okay, Mr. Steele and your, your magazine, great. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, okay, next. Yeah, I, I I mean, I think this is a symptom of the ACC being so decidedly top-heavy to the point oh, where yeah. you can pick the champion every single year. You could probably pick Clemson as the champion, the ACC champion, for the next five years, put a bet on that, and have it cash. Oh, yeah. Um, and you probably get really crappy odds for it, too. Mm-hmm. Right? So... I, I think it's a symptom of that. It it just makes the it just makes the league uninteresting to watch. And I think you can sort of draw parallels to to soccer leagues. Like I think France usually is a good example. Um, the French soccer league 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 one has been dominated so heavily by PSG Paris Paris Saint Germain. Saint Germain. I'm gonna wow. pronounce that. Wow. I don't know. I'm not French. Uh, I didn't study abroad. Um, it's been dominated by PSG for so many years, the better part of a decade, I think almost like 15 years now, that this year it was a cause, like a big cause for celebration when that streak was finally broken by upstart Lille. And, and Lille isn't even that much of an upstart. Lille is also like a big spender and like a big player in the transfer market and, and a big club and all that, but it's not on the, you know, Middle Eastern nation sovereign wealth fund funding level of PSG. But I say all that and explain all that to to make the point that Clemson is a Death Star. There's no two ways about it. And when the Death Star is that, you know, is bearing over Alderaan (laughs) with that, like, with that sort of threatening proximity, uh, it's kind of hard to notice anything else. Yep. Uh, I would also like to add, before we roll on, this is an FC Mets podcast. Um, but yes, Clemson... Ooh, they got relegated, for sure. I thought they got unrelegated. Ugh, you, gross. Okay, you realize, number one, there's a word for that. Number two, I have no idea. I'm pretty sure they got relegated, though. Uh, as a lifelong Mets fan, and not something I decided five minutes ago, that, that is a travesty. Um, totally no, not as a humor for a bit. Oh, definitely not. Just like I've been an Austria fan more than the last two days. Um, anyways, Clemson being good in some respects is fantastic for the conference. Knowing that you have a legitimate contender to win a national championship, get in the playoff, get that bag, all that stuff is something that the Pac-12 would drool to have. Right? Yes. And as a as a as, as someone that is a Stanford fan, a very casual Stanford fan, I do agree. Yes. Yes. So and not seeing Stanford at the top of their game, USC at the top of their game, Oregon, Washington, those are all programs that have in the past competed and, and been very relevant national programs. Colorado, they have a title within the last 35 years, just like we do. An asterisk on that, fifth down and whatnot, but still, it proves my point. The ACC 
has programs that can and have competed. Georgia Tech, Florida State, Miami, like the uh, Pittsburgh has like what seven titles? Like, and, and granted, some of those are pretty old, like ours, but some of them are kind of newer, like ours. Um, it's just there's not the and, and Virginia Tech has had national relevance. You, you get the point where I'm going with this. Like there's there's the potential that the ACC just never seems to live up to, and just having Clemson as like, okay, at the very least, someone will do something and will be relevant until basketball season starts. I, I think the most, the, the piece of that that's most important, at least for, I guess, our needs, the piece of the Clemson dominance that's most important for our needs is what you mentioned about securing the bag, right? Because Clemson's playoff inclusion, it's almost permanent place in the playoff guarantees a certain amount of media rights revenue for the conference that gets paid out to everyone right mm -hmm. and you're looking at a georgia tech athletic association whose budget in uh fiscal year 2019 was made up was made up of a media rights revenue that you know accounted for 23 percent of the total bucket so you're really like you're really scrounging for dollars. And I don't think it's, it's a, you know, mean to say that. I think it's pretty accurate of what, what the situation is at the, at the athletic department, right? They are looking for new ways to make money. And as crappy as it sounds, Clemson winning games continues to make Georgia Tech a money in a counterintuitive way. No, you're, I, I, I completely agree. And, and like to an extent, it, it burns, it is annoying, it is whatever, whatever you want to say. Oh, it's incredibly annoying, especially because it's all, it, is it like, it's incredibly annoying just because the like sort of the insular nature of college sports, the sort of in-group, out-group nature of college sports, it's incredibly annoying, but it's also benefiting us that's why the sec chant means something right there's a there's a level of conference loyalty that sure they have but that we we don't but at the same time if you look at their tv contract every time that alabama makes the playoff everyone cashes a check everyone cashes a massive check yeah and i mean Notre dame being in the picture this year helps us as well but like like it, the, the thing that comes with that too is hey Clemson's good. They're going to get that 7:30 game against whoever, let's say Syracuse. Well, now Syracuse is on late. They have a chance to do something special. And it sucks that like Clemson losing, much like Alabama losing or other schools that, you know, sit at the top of these rankings every year, losing is an event, right? If Syracuse were to do something, it would be a lot like the Miracle on Techwood Drive, not probably the same amount oh, of like, and it's almost happened multiple times it's of that happening in front of millions of eyes in the entire country like that like that's worth something in terms of product and, and, and attention and, and whatnot yeah uh, it's gonna be interesting i think one of the things that i think the more mainstream media and i don't mean that in a derogatory way i mean that as a more generalized sports media college sports media 
has been talking about as a priority for the ACC in the next couple of years is to redo their conference media rights deals. Um, yeah. Especially because the payouts are starting to look small in the face of uh, the SEC's new deal with uh, with the mouse, uh, and then the Big Twelve or the Big Ten's new deal also with the mouse mm-hmm. and Fox. I think mostly with Fox, if I remember correctly. Um, those are the things that you that and the name of the ACC commissioner Jim Phillips. Those are the things that he's going to have to take a look at and see, hey, where can we win on the margins here? What can we do with ESPN? How can we negotiate with ESPN and get some better kickoff times, get some better TV windows, um, and and get a better cut of funds for our live sports package? Uh, And and what does a better – and how do – how does the current – quality of the ACC's programs, not just basketball, not just football, but the entire, you know, top to bottom list of programs affect that valuation. Obviously, this is starting to go into sports business territory and more speculative financial money is fake territory, uh, especially when you're dealing with media rights. But this is the next frontier, right? We're starting to get towards some of these uh, media rights deals expiring or being renegotiated. What does the future of the ACC from a financial standpoint, what does the future of the Georgia Tech Athletic Association budget look like in the next two to three to five years? Yep. Um, interestingly, speaking of budgets, I was struck by the inspiration to go look at the uh, the U- are you familiar with the concept of the unit that they pay out for March Madness? Yes. All right. So the unit value in 2021 was projected to be 280000 uh before COVID-19. That actually went up to 337000 in 2021. Mm-hmm. Not saying that, like, obviously, they're, they're giant, not unrecoverable but the money lost in 2020 will never go away but i think the same concept behind you want to see and a passenger will gas up any acc team any day of the week if it gets us another entry in the tournament but um you want to see as many basketball teams get those at large considerations and and get the money and obviously this year we, we did our part and we'll hold on to that unit for another five years after this well, the conference will, but you get the point. Um, the logical extension of that to football is magnified so many times. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, and obviously, we, this is a, a podcast that talks a lot about non rep sports, so we understand the value and the, the special, like, uh, the, the joy that comes with you know, volleyball, women's basketball, baseball, softball, like all these wonderful things. But it, it every level of the microscope, I think it's that much more intense as you like click to it, right? And and football is the logical extreme of college sports. Is it not? Yes, absolutely. And, and sometimes illogical. So the, fact, the financial extreme, the logical yes. financial extreme. Yes. And, and, and the fact that Clemson, as we've noted, is so dominant 
the last, what is it? When's the last time someone else won? Florida State in 2015. Uh, okay. 14 yeah. was a Florida State year. 15 was the, let's see, 15, I think, was the ill. No, 14 was the uh, Oregon FSU Rose Bowl. Yeah. So it would have been 14. Yeah. So the, the fact that Clemson has been so dominant there and, and it's only one team is, again, the logical extreme of the sport. And I, I think it's tough to say, like, be thankful that, that a rival is good. But, like, yeah, it could be. I mean, it could be a different rival. And I mean, they're their own level of uh, unstoppable juggernaut, but uh, that's Alabama's, you know, pet to corral, if you will. Again, they they have the uh, equal disadvantage of not even being in our conference, so we don't, we don't get money when they do well. But uh, the, the logical extreme where... I can't place where exactly a good option is either because you, you have to change the calculus some way, uh, whether it's, you know, they just added two basketball games that doesn't really put much of a dent in a primarily football-driven contract. Going to nine games, well, then your your schedule is extremely limited. Adding more teams, well, then the divisions are whack. There's There's only certain things that are going to up the value of this contract in meaningful ways as we stare, not debt mountain, but revenue gap mountain more and more in the well, face. Well, well it's, there's revenue valley, and then for Georgia Tech specifically, there's debt mountain. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the old uh, upper north uh, is the not so The old upper north debt. construction debt that is somehow still not paid off. But I'm no... I'm no Fiscal analyst, to be clear. I mean, yeah, that's the uh, engineering economy was only a one credit class. And I didn't even take it, so. Oh, I uh, will we'll ignore my econ minor. Um, but, but yeah, no, there's only so much that you can do to change the calculus. So in the meantime, like, yeah, I don't want to see Clemson winning any national championships or North Carolina. ACC softball uh, championships. Like, but you want the the teams to get deep in the in the tournament so you get more money, but at the same time, like, oof, there's, you know, it's a not even a double edged sword. It's just kind of like, ugh, gross. Yeah, I mean, it. That's that's what the conference loyalty bit is, right? The like I said, the SEC chant. There is a fiscal intelligence to that yeah like, every time alabama scores a point in a college football playoff game it it makes mississippi state a bunch of cash mm-hmm. so at a certain point like maybe rooting for acc rivals in that sort of situation makes sense but at the same time from a philosophical perspective screw that <laughs> oh yeah yeah for sure it's counterintuitive, but I think that's sort of the reality of, of the modern business of college football or college sports in general, right? Because you have these balkanized, well, like you have you these cooperative media rights contracts. And, and I think you're right. There's not a lot of opportunity to make, to increase the value. 
mm -hmm. at least obvious opportunity to increase the value without increasing the um even if you increase the number of teams like it, let's because we know that notre dame's grant of rights uh for the acc uh, for uh, its non-football teams that doesn't expire until uh 2036 they the only conference that they can join without paying a massive buyout is the acc until 2036 but if you look at the if you look at the numbers behind their tv deal with nbc and you sort of math your way into and, and you also take into account the 2020 tv deal numbers when they were joined with the acc it doesn't add a whole lot to the payout it, it really doesn't like AC, the uh, notre dame's tv deal on average is actually worse than the acc's and we're already talking about the acc's needing to be reworked to avoid a revenue shortfall so yeah. It comes down to like how much money, like I, I, the twelve-team playoff thing, is going to happen. Like I, I think we're we're just uh, we're you know institution or like a, a corporate corporatizing the process and taking a while, but it's going to happen. How much of a how, what what is the revenue gain from that? I think is one big factor as we move forward. And, you know, time marches on towards twenty twenty six and everything. It's it's the sports offerings of the various institutions. Um, is Georgia Tech going to add a couple more sports to keep up with the rest of the conference? Obviously, that takes that that requires a different source of revenue, whether that's from donations or sponsorships or whatever uh, as well, right? To to increase sports offerings, especially um, considering that for Tech specifically, considering that they're at seventeen, while most of the rest of the conference is is at twenty or twenty plus. And it's it's right. hard to uh, it's hard to compare these like oh why isn't Tech winning as many conference championships? Well, compared to the rest of the conference, we don't have all that many sports. But um, shoot, I was gonna say something um, along the lines of that. I completely lost it in the meantime. Um, but no, there's there's only so many uh, meaningful ways, like I said, to increase that. Like, but you have to. Like at some point, you're like really splitting hairs too. If they go to splitting divisions, or because like, uh, as much as I want to say, hey, like we start a women's lacrosse team, that's going to mean more ad revenue or, or something like that. No, but if the, other than adding teams, the only serious way I can say you can wring incremental value out of this contract is to say, hey, we're canning divisions all together. The ACC championship is going to be a, a number one versus number two or top two pod winners or something like that versus each other. And then you're saying, hey, we're going to get Georgia Tech, Florida State on the schedule every year. What does that mean for ticket sales and for marginal increase in, in general interest outside of, you know, Tech and Florida State fans who would be diehards, but also the, hey, like, I'm a casual fan of one of those and that's a rival uh, uh, or the the getting NC State and Duke on the schedule every year. Wake Forest, North Carolina. Like there's there's only so many uh, I guess like edge cases like this that you can I maybe Clemson, Virginia Tech, it's not there's not a lot, but there's it you're it's all rough. in in the margins here at this point. Right. And and, and you only have what, nine conference games to work with in football? Eight. Eight. eight conference games to work with 
right? If you even go, if you even go to nine, like it doesn't give you that much more room. You can well, add the ninth, but it doesn't. It doesn't give you that much more room to get creative. No, not at all. And and I don't know that there's a good solution to it. And I know that's an unsatisfying way to tie up this discussion. So if you have yeah, a better it, than that, please let me hear it. What we should do is hear me out on this. Go independent and sign all. Uh, just sign our own TV deals because that is a totally proven model. Yes, that definitely worked the last time we did that. Womp womp. Uh, just to round out our discussion on uh, potential revenue streams, uh, Georgia Tech Athletics has started selling sing stinger passes for this football season, starting at 145 a pop for the upper level. And I think 165 for the lower level. I didn't actually read the website. So I'm going to do that now while you talk about the value of a Stinger Pass. I mean, I'm worried that people in Athens are just going to buy them just to get a guaranteed ticket. But I mean, it, it's revenue. Hopefully, uh, hopefully people who would otherwise not buy tickets see the value in it. Um, and I, did you buy one yourself or no? Uh, uh, you know, we are budgeting. It is part of a budget, so it will be purchased at some point. Hashtag budget season. Um, at least for upper deck, I think they put them first in the upper yes. north. Don't quote me on that. So, uh, I do have the fact pulled up, but I'm too lazy to actually read through it. Uh, the upper level is 145, like I said, but the lower level is 245, not 165, like I thought. <laughs> That's a bit less good of a deal, so. Uh, but it is for all six home games. Uh, true home games, I will add the UNC game does not count because that is at Mercedes-Benz. And the cheapest ticket that I saw through Georgia Tech Athletics for that was at $75, but we can debate the uh, idea behind that creative pricing another time. And, and with that, another 20-minute episode turned into 40, so. <laughs> uh, we are uh, really good at squeezing a lot of juice out of these oranges. I mean, it, there's just so many ways you could go with that, and uh, I guess uh, tune in next week for the same conversation, but in a slightly different way. <laughs> Now we'll switch to previews here, right? You're asking me. You're you're part of this venture. You also get planning priority here. All right. Well, then I'm I'm declaring it. We're we're starting previews. We'll go spring sports first and work into fall. Uh, but that that's it for us. Yes. If you have anything else to 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 add before we sign off here, I got no plugs. It's time to go watch a movie and then uh, get some sleep. Okay. Cool. See you later.